I was a very sweaty middle schooler. That's all I'll say. <laughs> like thinking about adolescence and puberty, sweaty. Welcome to another episode of Feminist Fiends and Quarantine Queens, our podcast where we analyze different forms of media discussing if it's feminist or not. I'm Pate. And I'm Nellie. This week, we're taking a drastic turn from the crown as we discuss Netflix's show Big Mouth. Created by Andrew Goldberg and written by Nick Kroll, Mark Levin, and Jennifer Flackett, Big Mouth is an animated TV show on Netflix that follows the lives of middle school students hitting puberty while embracing a frankness about the human body and sex. Throughout its four seasons, Big Mouth has received praise for its portrayal of the messiness of adolescence and the tough topics and conversations it confronts. We would have never thought to discuss this show without the suggestion from our guest this week, Hayden Dunbar. But in my opinion, she is truly one of the best people we could have brought on to engage in these topics. Hayden is a senior at our alma mater, Swanee, the University of the South, where she is a major in English and a minor in psychology and getting a certificate in creative writing. She is also one of the co-directors of the Baronwick Women's Center, or the WIC, a theme house on campus that raises awareness of issues surrounding intersectional feminism and provides 24-7 peer support to students in crisis, an organization that's very dear to my heart as well. Um, Hayden is also a Bonner leader with the Community Action Committee in Swanee, an outreach program dedicated to combating poverty and hunger in rural Appalachia. Hayden is passionate. Hayden, I wrote this for you. I hope it's okay. Hayden is passionate about a vast array of topics, including mental health, informed consent, sex education, and intersexual feminism, and many more things. All these things are intertwined. She will share more of the things she's passionate about as we talk about this show. Um, and we are so thrilled to have here, her here today to talk about Big Mouth. She is also my unofficial, official little sister and one of my best, best friends. So I'm just very excited to have an ex- have an excuse to shoot the shit with her. Welcome, Hayden. Thanks, Nelly. And hey, everyone. <laughs> I'm Hayden. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to have you here. I feel like I'm, my, my cheeks hurt from smiling. So I'm very happy to have you here. I miss you. You, Nelly. Oh, not, not that I don't usually feel that way about our guests. Like, shout out to our past guests. Love y'all. But... <laughs> But, but you're not N- Nellie's unofficial like my, little sister. My child. My little baby. Hey. <laughs> little baby. Little baby. <laughs> Fun fact. Hayden and I were in French, too, together. She sat behind me, and I thought she wanted to be a PK, and she super didn't. So that's fine. I, I, mean, I didn't know what I wanted. Well, if you wanted a bit, I was going to fight for you. But you were like... Mm, cool girl vibes going ADT so all cool girl vibes we're all cool girls all around (laughs) I'm in my bad bitch phase so we're all all bad bitches were you formerly not in a bad bitch phase I mean I'm super in my bad bitch phase right now she's got like you can't (laughs) you can't mess with me like bad bitch like bitch mm. okay anyway Go moving forward. As always, please stick around until the end of the episode for some action items from us. And don't forget to follow us here on Spotify and on Instagram at Feminist Fiend so you never miss an episode. Also, we want to give a big, big shout out to our new prez, Joe Biden, and especially our new queen, Vice President Kamala Harris. We are so happy to have turned... We are so happy to have turned the page to this new chapter. Now, without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. So Hayden, you, when I reached out to you, we had talked about a few different things we could talk about. One being Cars 3, which I hope that one day we do talk about, um, for those of you listening, feminists. Nelly will talk about Cars. I feel like it's how Hayden and I became friends, low key. It was like a big part of our friendship. me a Cars backpack. Yeah. I, when you mentioned this show, I had not, like, watched it in full yet. 
Um, so I was kind of excited, but it seemed like the, a great thing for us to talk about, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on why you think Big Mouth is worthy of feminist critique and why you think it's worth talking about it on, on this podcast. Yeah, for sure. When you texted me, I was in the middle of the fourth season and I felt like it was raising a lot of like mental health like issues and just talking about topics that it hadn't um, addressed before, especially like trans issues, like being one of those as well. And I feel like that just made me like that much more excited to kind of talk about this. But um, in general, I just feel like as a show, um, Big Mouth is like willing to address a lot of topics that I feel like most shows aren't. And it's especially interesting that it does this as like a cartoon and one that in my opinion is honestly like super funny. Um, So yeah, I just feel like it is kind of like pushing boundaries in a good way. Yeah, and I think the boundaries are something that could put people off from the show maybe at first. Or just, like, I, I think it's so, like, it engages in topics, like you said, that are, like, taboo. Like, and I think Pete and I both kind of said we had started it before and been like, ah, like at times. Which I think just shows more the ways in which society approaches these problems. Not necessarily, because they're not the ways Pete and I feel about sex or, um these topics it's like ways that we might talk with each other but even not not even to that extent but I think to hear that articulate like to see that articulated in a tv show and like it made me feel kind of seen at times I was like not necessarily all the time because again it's very much from like a male perspective and I know we're going to talk about that but I think yeah it it definitely I, I I think the ways in which it pushes the boundaries can be intimidating, maybe is the right word for pe- for people. But I think it's such so worth a watch. And I think it is really stands out from its peers, which I know we're going to talk a little bit more about as well. But I, um, I'm really glad that you wanted to talk about it because I think for me, it gave me an opportunity to really kind of give the show another chance. And now I would consider it to be like one of my favorite shows personally. It's like so up my alley. The fact that like, I didn't get into it at first is honestly surprising to me. And my best friend, Kayla, who is a friend of the podcast, very much a former guest. um, And my best friend, she, (laughs) um, she is obsessed with it. So she's wanted us to talk about it for a while. Um, So I'm really glad we're doing it. Plus, like we haven't really talked about cartoons or anything like that it's like very different from from other things we've talked about so I'm excited same I definitely get where you're coming from though especially like with the first episode I was thinking about that with you guys saying you're trying to get into it I just got my brother to start watching it and he was he he was like the first episode is brutal and it is like very cringeworthy which can make it hard to watch but I like what you said about feeling seen and I think it is like we've all had some of those like really embarrassing experiences to just so, to see them like visually as hard but also like kind of validating at the same time yeah and I feel like if you have some kind of sex education like as a young person or or even have conversations about sex with whoever first talks to you about it like any way in which you're first exposed to that it's it's very much thinking about it as like how you're going to experience this in the future I feel like at least that was my experience I don't want to speak for everyone but I feel like it was like I had pretty comprehensive sex ed, but it wasn't like, hey, you're going to start doing this soon or like you're doing this now. Like, not that I was, but I do think in this case, like these are things like our bodies are, our bodies change like throughout our adolescence. And so you may not necessarily be having like sexual partners or things like that, but you're going to have like sexual urges and, and things that you don't even like know are normal until like until way after they might like first happen and so for me to like see and not even like things that are like particularly sexual just like stuff related to your sex organs like when when um jesse gets her first period at the uh at the statue of liberty i got my first period on a boat with like my family friends i feel like i can say this like it's fine i was like on a family it's not like normalized periods i got my first period on I was with like one of my good, it wasn't even family friends really, to be honest. I mean, they're wonderful people, but a friend of mine from middle school, it was sixth grade. It was Labor Day weekend. I was going on her boat with her for the weekend and I got my period 
And that was like, oh my gosh, how do I deal with this? And they were so wonderful and helpful about it. But like, again, it's like a very, I feel like it's kind of similar to like that horror that she experiences on this field trip. Like, I just was like, I felt seen by that. And like, yes, perhaps that's been done in other shows. I'm sure it has been, but I feel like it was done in a way where you recognize like the level of embarrassment you would feel, but then also like normalize that that is something that happens. I feel like for me, what kind of, I don't want to say it like turned me off, but something that was super jarring for me, and this just like has stuck in my memory since I watched it is when Jay, I believe it's the first season, there's this like whole storyline of him having an affair um, with his pillow and like has babies with his pillow. And I just did not find that funny. I found that very creepy. And um, maybe that's just because I was never pre like a pubescent boy. And I don't know if they jerked off in their pillow. Like, I don't know. And so I was like, like, I didn't know what to do with that information, and I was like, I don't know. I was creeped, not creeped out. I was just like, this is weird. This is not, and, like, I have a weird sense of humor, but I just was like, can we get back to, like, the actual helpful information? Like, I think um, my one of my favorite plots was, like, the shame wizard, Yeah. and, like, like, I think that was such a good metaphor for, like, what people feel in that age and so I was like can we get back to that program like I don't want to watch this kid hump his pillow and then have like a a family with it um so that's just like I guess my critique of Big Big Mouth like that's the one thing I remember I don't know like do y'all have any like theories as why that was in it or do you think Nick Kroll and Andrew Goldberg just wanted to like throw a curveball in there. I hate it. I'd love to hear your thoughts. I do think that there's a part of this that is based off of real experience. So I wonder whether it was like Andrew or Nick or like a Jay character of theirs in their life because they're childhood best friends. So I think normalizing masturbation is good, but I, I didn't realize that men put their dicks in pillows I just didn't realize that but maybe that is like a thing so yeah I have no clue I feel like at times they are in the show like pushing boundaries just to push boundaries like I can definitely see that for the writers just like really wanting to see how far they can go and there's even like some lines somewhere in there where it's like they're breaking the fourth wall and it's like I mean, I guess we can do this because it's a cartoon. Like, they literally say that. And I feel like at times that definitely rings true. Yeah, I guess going back to what I said about, like, what I hope it is, I actually do hope they are just pushing the boundary. But again, like, if that is based off of a true story, that's hilarious. I don't, I imagine the, like, pillow part, like, there being a pillow is true. But I'm sure the whole thinking he was going to have babies with the pillow, I can't imagine that someone actually thought that. But I remember at one point, like, before having comprehensive sex ed, like, thinking that, like, you could get someone pregnant by kissing them. Like, mem- I, I feel like people think that. Like, there's, you just don't know. So maybe you think once you learn what, like, procreation is, then you learn that, like, you think maybe you could somehow be fertilizing a pillow. I don't know. Like, who knows what's going through kids' heads. But it is, it is really funny, if anything. Maybe and definitely pushing boundaries. A representation of what happens when you don't have like all around good sex education you start believing that yeah y- if you like hump anything you're gonna have a pillow boy baby right and also that like there should be like some kind of fear or guilt associated with like sexual urges when like that doesn't really need to be the case like it's gross if you're ejaculating into a pillow like you could feel guilty about that but you shouldn't feel guilty about like wanting to masturbate how many times am I say masturbate and then put it on the internet (laughs) (laughs) I I genuinely feel like that's gonna be a theme of this podcast episode like just we will be diving into sure gross topics yeah I mean it's just like yeah maybe we should have given a caveat for that but like it we're normalizing all of these things like exactly like that's what I think like the fact that I felt gross about it like even watching it like the things that I felt gross about I feel like I don't know if it's like internalized misogyny or just like internalized something 
that's like uncomfortable with it. Cause ultimately like these things like should be normalized to talk about. Like I shouldn't be like, Oh, like <laughs> when I'm talking, I shouldn't be like wigging out. Like when you do any kind of, and Hayden, you know this, like, and, and Pete, you do too. Like when you do any kind of like training or sex ed or things like that, like it's very much like you should talk about this. Like it's a normal thing. Like, don't feel like you, like we shouldn't, contribute to the taboo of it all but it, they are taboos in reality by society anyway i'm talking too much i will cut that but that was just like what i was thinking Pink, well i think you- it's like it's a mix between wanting young people like that age to like feel represented in like their feelings of adolescence and like puberty hormones and whatnot but also it's like Sometimes it's uncomfortable for me as an adult to watch, yes, it's a cartoon, but it's about, like, seventh graders and, like, finding out about their dicks and, like, masturbation. And it's, like, it's an, it's an uncomfortable topic. And, like, and I just think it's also interesting watching it, kind of like you said, Nellie, like, watching it now as an adult um, and, like, not being able to relate to it. Well, mainly, like, the first and second season, I think they really hit on, like, puberty puberty and it's just interesting to watch being so far like past that point and watching not they're not children because it's grown men voicing cartoons but it's just like the topic it's like we're watching kids go through puberty and like you know through metaphor like monsters and wizards and whatnot yeah and it brings you back to a time in your life that maybe you're not wanting to recall yourself. You're kind of like, oh, I don't know that I want to. Like, I've erased middle school from my memory probably as best as, as can be. I, I, I was, like, just thinking, I was like, I don't remember, like, any bad moments from middle school. Like, bitch, because you, you like, blocked them all out. You literally like, blocked it all out. I, I, if I think hard enough, I can, and I don't want to. <laughs> So I, I, I don't I was, want to bring that back. I was a very sweaty middle schooler. That's all I'll say. <laughs> like thinking about adolescence and puberty, sweaty. Because I was curious about like y'all's sex education because sex ed was terrible at my public school. We were taught abstinence only. Well, I transferred to Indian Springs my sophomore year. So I actually had sex ed at Oak Mountain, which was much different and was also abstinence only. I had y'all. My mouth just dropped. All these little. Um, I didn't know you went to Oak Mountain. Wow. And, and they said I am worth the wait. Like every like. And bad, it was pink, like, right? And the boys yeah. were black. The boys got a different color. Yeah, it was like every like worst case thing they like talk about. I feel like happened. Yeah. Like did you have Miss Renee? Metaphor of it all. Yes. Have- oh my gosh. <laughs> Me and Hayden had the same sex ed lady. Wait, so did you go there? Is that your was that your no. school, Pete? No, she just went to every like public. Y'all had like a traveling him. sex ed lady who taught absolutely. Yes, Miss Renee. And she was like she was like, You can add me on Facebook. Literally oh like all the fear tactics, like oh, oh my god. Well, I know that I've had this I know that I've had I've said this on the podcast before and I kind of alluded to it earlier, but my sex ed experience was like every year starting in fifth grade we had sex ed. And then maybe we didn't have it like all the way through senior year, but it was like some either like some term that we had we had like a full term of sex ed and it was like it varied year to year on like what you would get out of it but I had it like fifth through like probably 10th grade and then it was like and this isn't the case in all Massachusetts public schools but I think I would be surprised if there was any kind of abstinence only up here in public schools I mean in in um different types of private schools who knows but the the then we had like I found it to be pretty comprehensive I think there probably could have been more surrounding like consent especially at like the older age at like older ages but I think we got that in like kind of other like like classes if that makes sense we had a lot of like we had a good wellness program but it wasn't like someone who came it was like a like employed faculty member but um, we also learned about like gender identity and things like that in my sex ed classes and like. But I yeah, wish we were all from Massachusetts. 
Life will yeah. be different. I will not, this place is not perfect by any means, but I do think in terms of sex ed, I mean, I'm sure like there's ways it could have been inclusive more, like it definitely could have done a lot better, but. No, I, I could. I was, I was given the, condoms in high school. Take the, take the like W. Than that. What? Take the W. Take the W. Y'all I'll take did it. a much better job than Birmingham, Alabama. <laughs> I can only imagine what like a roar, rural, like one high school town they probably don't have sex education actually now that i'm thinking about it they probably don't have like ap classes what am i even talking about mm. well my 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 high school had like so few ap classes to the point where it was like it was like being like saying like we like almost in like protest of it almost i won't keep this in the podcast it's like not worth it but the like it would, you could could only take AP classes and certain things, but then they were, like, up to, like, advanced accelerate. It was basically to say it was, like, we have better than AP here. Like, we don't need AP. Like, that was, like, the attitude. It was very douchey and privileged, and I'm not, it's definitely not a perfect place, but. um, No, it is perfect, but just appreciate it for what it has. Yes, I do very much appreciate the sex education I had. I didn't, I don't, I knew that it wasn't the case everywhere, but I remember being like, oh yeah, y'all didn't have sex ed. <laughs> like, and bummer. I honestly, like, I didn't even realize, like, how bad that was until I got to college, and it's like, okay, well, even if you choose to not have sex, or even if you don't want to do it until marriage, it's still an important topic for everyone to learn about, um, so that you can truly make that choice for yourself and not have it forced upon you and then I just learned a lot in like like my um sexual comparison class and it's it's actually interesting like when you educate children at a younger age about sex they're more likely to not have sex because it's not this taboo thing that it's kind of like underage drinking like you yeah absolutely it it's, it's like it's cool everyone's doing it and like you want to do it because you're not allowed to, but if you don't treat sex like underage drinking, if you just treat it as biology, which it is, then, like, kids are less likely to do it until they're adults. Hayden, you can probably, like, talk more about this from, you don't have to right now, but I just was thinking about with your psychology background, like, I imagine, like, yeah, I completely agree. I feel like we've talked about that, and, like, I took adolescence, and Pete, I took that comparative sexual behavior class, too, and I feel like, yeah, it's important to just be, like, open and honest and, like, the more you put pressure on your kids, like, the more they're going to want to rebel. Yeah. But anyway, this is all interconnected, so. Hey, then you mentioned how Big Mouth engages in conversation of mental health. Um, I think, like, it kind of spawns throughout most of the seasons, but specifically in season four. How do you think the show dealt with this topic? I personally just really liked season four because I feel like I personally have struggled with anxiety and I haven't really seen it portrayed in the way that it was in the show um, with Tito the anxiety mosquito. Um, And I just thought it was like really clever and um, like I, I liked that they didn't make it like so pervasive like it was the only thing that each character was experiencing but it was also um I don't know it was it was relevant and something that it clearly showed like a lot of people were going through and I liked that it provided a solution as well um I really loved the gratitude um at the end of season four and just talking about like the practice of gratitude which is like a very real thing and something that um like my therapist and I have talked about like as I think that's I'm saying that on the podcast I have a therapy or (laughs) I have a therapist normalize normalize therapy love that but anyway I just felt like that was like a really positive thing and like hopefully like people could actually like learn from that um and also I was looking on their Instagram earlier today and they actually like had like legitimate like resources and like we're kind of using that character as like a source to help other people like cope with their own mental health which I thought was really cool that's so cool. I didn't even realize that I'm literally looking up their Instagram because that's awesome. I do feel like the the gratitude at portion of the season was like one of some of my favorite 
And it's like done in a way where I feel like when we talk about gratitude, it can be like almost kind of cheesy, but I do think that like it does it in a way that I think because the show itself is just not cheesy at all. There's like nothing, it's like very like crass and um, silly and also just like, I don't know, vulgar at times. I think that like the, the, the gratitude thing like actually does kind of hit well and, um, and I agree with what you said. I feel like anxiety, I've never really seen anxiety articulated, especially in the ways in which like, um, I don't know if this is the correct terminology, but like being like high functioning anxiety or like when you're someone that's a really productive person and like still like seem like they appearing, appearing to have your shit together, you can still very much be struggling with anxiety. And I think that we see this through many of these characters. Like they may not necessarily have their shit together because they're like simply in seventh grade, but like they are presenting as being productive or things like that and that doesn't mean that you're any less likely to have struggle with anxiety or some any kind of mental health and that that I identified with for sure because um and I think it's important to have it represented uh yeah and I just think it's I think it's so clever the ways in which the show actively portrays our inner demons whether it's like the um hormones or like I mean, they're not de- they shouldn't be called inner demons, really. It's just like our inner dialogue, almost like our our like hormones, like anxiety, like shame. Um, what else? Like the 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 gratitude. I'm sure there are others. I'm forgetting other creatures that are like representing these kind of inner dialogues. And I I just think it's I don't know. I I think it's special. And I do think like sexuality and mental health are so intertwined. So um, I think the show would have been remiss to not engage in, in that topic the way it did. And I also think it's so such a common, as we talked about, like middle school's like the worst. So it is such a common theme of that time in our lives in particular. Nellie, piggybacking off of your point, I'm adding a monster to your thing. Unless I, you said this and I totally missed it, but I really, not loved. I really appreciated the depiction of depression kitty for um Jesse because like yes, for sure. Cuz I think what you just said like it's so it's like a metaphor or no it's a personification of these like mental health problems um put in a way where middle schoolers could understand it but also adults can relate very deeply to it. And so like when I get in a depressed state, like, I feel like depressed kitty is laying on me and no one can hear me cry for help. That sounds really When depressed kitty's dark. like, don't you want to stay in bed all day? I'm like, Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> and then, then I just tell myself, oh, I'm just being an Enneagram 4 and I'm, like, being very in touch with my emotions and, like, super feeling my emotions. But then I, like, mix that up and then it's been a week and all I've done is, like, nothing and then I feel terrible and so I just I really relate to that and I think that is so helpful for like younger people to witness that and like I said earlier the shame wizard and I couldn't like relate to that as much as probably a young boy could um but I think it was really important that they put that in there and like kind of just expressed that everyone has like shameful things and one of the genius parts of this show is how they are able to depict all these like real life problems in ways that we can wrap our brains around and like bear witness to yeah I don't know it's definitely good at making you feel seen for these issues well issues Issue sounds like a, ma- a bad word, but I mean issue reality, like a like, topic. <laughs> more I said, so, I said that earlier too, and I was thinking the same thing. It, I did not mean it in a well, and I think way. yeah. Hopefully, people know that we mean it. Issues, not like problems. Issues, like topics, like like yeah. things that are real life topics, experiences, hardships, exactly. like things that happen to us, and we have we have a problem with it. Right. Right. Yeah. No, I think the word issue like is sometimes paired with some kind of um, stigma, but like to me, I don't think it should be like, I think issue can be just like a word, but I I recognize it it carries associations with it that I guess are tough. So sometimes I can feel like he's saying it, but I think 
people hopefully know our intentions. Um, I, I would love to talk about, because like we said, this was the first cartoon that we, we've, is, am I correct in saying that, Pate? This is the first cartoon we've talked about on the podcast. So yeah. unique. It's so unique. Yeah, yeah. We were either going to talk about this or Cars 3, so it was going to oh be Oh my god, what is wrong with me? <laughs> <laughs> um, but I would love, because like obviously there are a lot of kind of, I mean I think you could watch this as a teenager, but like for the most part this, this is a cartoon geared towards adults, not children, and there are definitely a handful of other shows like that. So I'd love to talk about what are kind of which shows are Big Mouth's kind of peers, and then also what makes this show stand out against its peers, especially in regards to intersectional feminism. So, um, yeah. And if we want to talk about other adult cartoons in regards to intersectional feminism, we can too, but we don't need to pick them apart if we don't want to. Yeah, well, okay, when I first read this question, I, like, adult cartoon definitely makes me think of, like, the raunchier stuff, like The Simpsons and, like, Family Guy, and even, like, shows like Rick and Morty, and I was like, I don't really see those as doing really any of the same things as Big Mouth, if anything. Like, a lot of those shows have been criticized for being, like, pretty problematic um in their own ways but Nelly I know you mentioned feeling like Bob's Burgers was definitely a peer and I can see that for sure if you want to talk more about that yeah I just feel like and I didn't even like I, I wrote this question and I didn't even feel that way when I was writing it like I was thinking about like the Simpsons and Family Guy and like American Dad like n- none of these shows that I particularly like but I think are like I like Family Guy, kind of, I guess, I I could argue. But I've not watched any of these in full. But I do love Bob's Burgers. Like, Bob's Burgers is, like, a um, kind of, like, a comfort show for me. It's, like, a nice one to, like, put on when you're falling asleep or something or if you're just, like, hanging out with friends and you want to put something on. Like, I feel similarly to Big Mouth. Like, I guess Big Mouth definitely covers some more kind of uh, specific topics, but, like, I, I definitely would say that they're, like, peers. I mean, I, I think any of, any adult cartoon could be considered a peer to Big Mouth, but I kind of hold them to, like, a, a similar, I don't know, appreciation maybe is the right word for it. Like, I think that they're on a similar level for me, even though their topics are very different. Um, I think they're kind of, like, informed of realities of the world and also just kind of like funny things that maybe people are a little bit like weird about talking about like there's a lot of stuff about butts and bob's burgers like there's that that episode with all the paintings with all the animal butts obviously it's not talking about like sex sex education like in a very kind of like raunchy way but I don't know. I, and I haven't watched, like, I, I've watched a good amount of Bob's Burgers, but I haven't, like, sat and watched it start to finish. So I'd be curious to hear if, if folks out there listening have thoughts of their own, like, let us know. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, Pete, I know you wanted to talk about this question a bit, so I'll pass the mic to you. Well, okay. I just remember one time when I was a young gal I was at a family friend's house and my friend who was my age was flipping through the TV and was like, I couldn't find anything to watch. So I found this cartoon and it was family guy and it was super inappropriate and it like kind of scarred me. And so I think family guy definitely has its like funny moments, but also has super big moments as we all can agree. So I don't know. I just, like, kind of have a problem with the fact that, like, a child might mistake it as, like, a TV show for them and then see something that is, like, super inappropriate. Um, That's my only beef, my really main beef with that. Like, I still, like, if I'm drunk or something, I think I used to drunk watch Bob's Burgers um, back in the day because it's just, like, so lighthearted and funny. But fun fact about me, my favorite anxiety TV show is Rick and Morty, which is so random. I think it's because it's like so over the top, like blood and gore and just like overstimulating that it calms me down for some reason. And a lot of times it need it's like big brain episodes. Like you just feel like you're on a trip the whole time. Um, but me and Elizabeth Chandler, shout out Elizabeth if you're listening, we're watching it the other week and we were talking about how like men just love Rick and Morty and think like it's the best TV show ever and like idolize Rick and so we went on this whole rant about how like Rick and Morty's like in a sense like 
satirizing men like that because like the true villain of the whole show is Rick himself. He's a terrible father. He's a psychopath. He has like no regard for human life. And so if like you look up to him, like you're the problem. And that's the whole point of the TV show. And um, <clears throat> so like, I don't know. I just love the TV show. I love all like the in-depth like analysis you can make from it. The take, my favorite YouTube channel has done like a bunch of um, videos about the different character, the different, the the different character archetypes and like what Rick represents, what Summer represents, what Morty represents. And um, you know, I think it's like a super interesting like video series if y'all like Rick and Morty. But all to say like I think some of the most like thought-provoking TV shows are cartoons and like car- cartoons for adults. Um but also some really stupid ones. Like Family Guy is stupid. I'm sorry to say. Um, South Park, a lot of people love South Park and they do like great satire. I think it's annoying as hell and I have never found it funny. I'm sorry, don't come for me. All right, that's all I have to say. I think what you said about Rick and Morty is literally like spot on. And I I think it's one of those things where it's like you... It is, like, a really thoughtful show in a lot of ways, and I think that, like, cartoons, like you said, definitely have the capacity to be, like, really interesting and, like, push the boundaries, but um, it's also so weird. Like, why why are men so, like, they really see themselves in, like, that, like, very flawed character. But anyways, um, another cartoon that I really like um, and that Nelly apparently also likes is Adventure Time, which is definitely, like, a children's cartoon, but again, like, just, like, a very fun show that I, I don't know, it just makes me, I feel like it's, like, using, like, a different part of my brain than, like, a normal show, and although that's, like, not always what I want, there is something to be said for, I don't know, it just feels, like, kind of, like, creative and silly, I also really like Avatar The Last Airbender. I feel like that's a love Avatar. That, like is and that is a cartoon that I feel like is also feminist. It is feminist. We should talk about it. <laughs> yeah. It's so feminist. And so is Cars 3. It's so crazy. Oh my gosh, all of these feminist cartoons. So when discussing the creators and writers of the show Big Mouth, only one of the four writers is female and none of them are BIPOC individuals, Um, although they really, like, do dive into topics that are important when it comes to race and things like that. So I guess what would be y'all's opinion on that, even though they cover these topics, is it meaningless if there's no one representing them behind the screen? It's just, like, a hard question in a lot of ways, because, I mean, I would argue that there is still value there, and that, like, people can address these topics that aren't of like those identities but at the same time I do think it really is worth noting because it surprised me I guess and I just feel like I there's so much content in it to me about like women's sexuality like female pleasure like Jessie in particular and Missy are both obviously like pretty important characters in the show and so I don't know. I just wanted to get, like, a little more of, like, like, especially considering um, that the writers, Andrew and Nick, are, like, reflecting on their own childhood experiences. It felt, like, less authentic to me that there wasn't, like, a woman or a person of color doing the same thing for these other characters. Yeah, that's what I was about to say was just that I was, like, from, like, in terms of the two main characters, yes, like, it makes sense that they're, like, it perhaps is an ideal, but it makes sense that like this is based off of their experience. And so like, that's the reasoning for that kind of storyline. But yeah, I think you just highlighted something that I hadn't even really necessarily thought of as an alternative. I, I I think what you just said in, in the vein of someone writing this storyline, I like you can combine storylines and it would just have made the show like that much better. Cause I think it does a really strong job and is in reality, like, I think obviously like the three main characters are white. So that is like an issue in itself, but the, 
but like the cast as a whole or not the cast the characters as a whole I think are pretty representative um especially kind of by season four when it really kind of delves into these conversations but again like the the casting of the voicing of this characters which is a sneaky thing about cartoons and I don't know that I had really looked into this before um before like having an opportunity to talk about it on something like a podcast I don't think that I was thinking oh like is that actually a black woman voicing this this black woman like or it and I mean like Maya Rudolph voices like the female hormone monster I can't remember her name now and then um also she voices Diane which I didn't realize who's Nick's mom which is who's a white woman so I'm kind of like okay well you like even have like a black woman like that you're working with like from the beginning of the show one I don't think she should be like the only like I don't want to tokenize her like I don't think she should be the only black woman but I just don't feel like it was enough and it wasn't representative for the characters like like my Rudolph kills that role and I'm not saying like take her out of that role and make it a white person it would be bad like it would just not be good but like what's going on with Missy like I don't know and I know Pate you did I, I guess both of y'all did a little bit more kind of delving into that so in terms of that casting but I don't know I I think it it was a little too late at times in terms of these conversations for me like I don't think it's ever too late but the sh- like you said Hayden the show does such a good job of about engaging in some of these other topics and it definitely is white-led white forward-facing I think I I don't think it until like season four they're actually like actively speaking about race like they don't really do that until then kind of like you said if they really just were doing like season one they really just wanted to portray their childhood I feel like that's understandable but if they're gonna expand on that and like have these conversations about race you have to have like people of color in the writing room because you can't like write about their experiences from your perspective as a white person and like maybe they do have black people in the writing room that aren't like the top four that we listed at the beginning but I just feel like if you're gonna like share their experiences there need to be like people in production and you need to like give them credit and maybe we just haven't like looked deeper into it um but I think if you're trying to tell your story and you're a white person, like, yeah, that's understandable. But if you're trying to tell someone else's story and even if, like, the intent is good because you want to, like, like give light to these issues, it's not necessarily ours to tell. It's ours to help other people's, like, voices be heard. Yeah, pass the mic kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Completely agree. And I feel like that was very well said. <clears throat> oh, my God. Thanks. Good job, Kate. Um, Birmingham Girls. Heck, yeah. Um, I do. Save character. Oh, sorry. No, you're good. You all have character from your abstinence only sex ed. You really made it through all of that. (laughs) We're so strong. (laughs) I wanted to talk more about like Jenny Slate stepping down as a voice of Missy so that I'm pretty sure I'm getting this pronunciation correct because I did look it up. Ayo Adebri um, could voice Missy. And I feel like that is like very important and clearly it wasn't done like in a sneaky way I feel like there's definitely a lot of articles out there and like again going back to how I kind of social media stalked them earlier they definitely like did address that and apologized for it but again I agree with what's been said so far where it's like it's a little late in the game for them to kind of be making some of these decisions and that feels kind of frustrating yeah like I appreciate that they made changes that they like addressed they like addressed like trans experiences more than they did like I and just other like elements of like gender identity and sexuality just like I think like gauging that conversation a little bit more yeah I worry it was just like a little bit too late if I were to be like I do love this show so much but it is obvious it's it's pretty obviously written from like the white male perspective and then kind of like obviously like i do think like the perspective wise is definitely like uh hierarchical in the way in which like society seems to kind of like prioritize american society in particular prioritize these perspectives like i think like 
white men first, white women second, and then kind of so on and so forth. And like compounded identities of like race and gender identity and sexuality kind of all come after that, like not all at once. Like it's more like, I feel like we like hinted at, like it hinted at race, it hinted at sexuality, but it didn't really kind of do a deep dive of these things until later. And I think that shows and I mean, like, there is sexual representation in the writing room, for sure, but there wasn't any, it's all completely white. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, anyway, I think we are on the same page with this, and we can probably move on unless y'all have some other thoughts. I did want to just, like, for fun, if y'all want to, like, especially because I know we haven't touched on all the characters, we've touched on a few of them, but, like, if you have a fave character, or a fave monster, I guess, or creature, or whatever, all characters. I really think mine is the female hormone monster, Connie. Connie. Um, I just feel like she is so funny and like, th- like just like all of her quotes, like the one where she's like says like, like she smells so good because she doesn't use deodorant and she only takes bubble baths. Iconic. Iconic. So I could never. The one where she's like, uh, <laughs> sweaty middle schooler. Sweaty Nelly. middle schooler and current sweaty Nelly. Or, like, when she's, like, talking to Jesse when she's, like, first starting going through puberty and she's, like, you want to listen to, like, Lana Del Rey and, like, steal and, like, make your mom cry? Like, that is so horrible, but, like, damn. Yep. <laughs> like, yeah, I felt that. Yeah. yeah. Mood. I love, um, I have a soft spot for Lola, even though she's nuts. Like, I do love her so much and I empathize with her a lot and I do feel like, I didn't behave like I like to think I, I I definitely didn't behave like Lola like I wasn't at all I was in no kind of position of power to behave the way she does like she is like but she's also clearly so like such a vulnerable um and like sensitive person but like has this tough exterior and also like clearly has like so many insecurities and things going on but I just think she's hilarious character also voiced by Nick Kroll which is like maybe problematic so funny but so funny yeah no I love it and um he voices like every character on the show like Loki but um also I love Andrew just because I love I love John Mulaney so much like I love John Mulaney husband he's my husband but yeah I don't know I I also really really love Missy she's such a dweeb like I feel like if I were I was like a like I feel like in high school, I was a combination of, or not high school, middle school and high school, maybe. I I was like a hybrid of, in terms of personality, like of Missy and Lola, if you can find a way of doing that. Like kind of weird and geeky, but also like just like insecure with a tough exterior at times, but not like mean. I wasn't mean the way Lola was. I just didn't have, I can be mean, but I didn't have any kind of power to do that the way she does. (laughs) No, I completely relate to that. I definitely feel like in middle school, I was very Missy-esque, but also I feel like I want to put some Jessie in there. I feel like a lot of her experiences are very relatable as well. I I really love the episode where she like buys the red bra and she like goes to school and she's like feeling so confident and she like makes her mom buy it for her because she said it's like anti-feminist if she doesn't but then she like realizes like everyone is looking at her and she's like oh I've made a mistake like this is horrible yeah that I feel like is so true like like especially as a woman like just like finding like that line between like feeling like confident but then also like feeling sexualized by others I feel like is like a very real struggle and absolutely especially in middle school yeah and that whole scene where oh my gosh when Jesse like fights the in like the middle school administration when there's like a like um the dress code issues I remember like having that I mean I didn't I was not nearly as like strong-willed as her then like I wish I was but I remember having the same kind of perspective being like um can y'all just like control your minds can you teach the boys how to have like self-control and not be disgusting instead of like and also the teachers which is like a whole other issue but I just think dress codes are gross to be honest because it's like sexualizing and also like inducing shame upon people but anyway I Shame wizard. Shame, Shame wizard. Shame wizard. I like Lola. Obviously, mm-hmm. she's a queen. She's Quine. like 
the confidence I wish I had in middle school. And then Missy, because I, I just, I just love her. She's so funny. She's so cute. And I just, and she is sure of herself. She's like sure of herself at her core, which I admire about her. Like, she's She's like, like, I mean, I called her a dweeb earlier, but I mean that in the most endearing way. Like, I identify as like a dweeb or a nerd. And I think that like owning your sparked. Oh, I didn't hear it. She sparked at you. She sparked in the background because you called Missy a dweeb. She said, I mean, in a positive way, I'm a dweeb. We're we're co dweebs. So as the question, you know, it's come down to it. Is Big Mouth a feminist TV show? I mean, after our, like, conversation about it, I definitely feel like it's worth recognizing, like, the places that this show has to grow and the shortcomings that it does have. But I, and especially recognizing, like, that it is from a largely male perspective in particular, Um, I think one of you already said that or is going to say that. So sorry if I stole that from you. But um, I guess I personally would still argue that, like, ultimately, like, the work that it's doing is feminist, despite maybe, like, and maybe that's, like, do the ends justify the means, you know, of it all. Like, I would... I would say that it still is despite its flaws because I think it is like addressing topics that really are so important um, to like feminism in general. But feel free to disagree with me there. I I don't know. I think you just articulated that really well because I think like, I I think oftentimes, especially, I don't know. I, I had written it, like you referenced this, but I had written in the document, like, can a show be feminist if it's, like, written from the perspective of, like, the male gaze? And, I mean, at the same time, like, I, I do think that, like, feminism is about, like, the equality of, like, gender equality. And so I think, like, breaking down any kind of barriers surrounding conversations about sex and sexuality and mental health and like all of these interconnected issues like you said is working towards gender equality and and that's that's feminism so even though it's not from like I think there could be a lot like a lot more to represent like the writing and the experiences of the show but I do think it's like moving it's moving like at least, oh my gosh, like in comparison to its peers, I think it's moving in the right direction. Absolutely. Like it is, it is like engaging in these topics that are like, that typically like if people are to talk about them, like cause them like shame and guilt that, that should be like completely normalized, like sexual urges and issues of mental health and struggle, like those things, like, if they are continued to be like, if those things continue to be stigmatized, it's going to be at like, it's going to disservice the movement. So like, I do think like in regards to like moving forward towards like an intersectional feminist, like reality, I think that yes, it is feminist, but I also think like with a caveat that like there is a lot that the show could do better um, so yeah, I kind of just reiterated exactly what you just said, Hayden, but I really do agree. Like, I, I don't think you could say the show isn't feminist. Like, I just think it would be harsh to say that. I just, but I do think, and you can, if you want to pay, you haven't answered yet. You totally can. But I think for me, it would be harsh for me to take that stance. Cause I do think it does so much right when it comes to things that are so interconnected with the patriarchy that it really breaks apart. Um, it really does make an effort to dismantle the patriarchy for sure well i think if we've learned anything from this podcast nelly it's that there's no such thing as a perfect tv or movie like i feel like we will always be able to critique something and that is the point of art and media um gain a lot of knowledge while also critiquing it in a respectful way so while we have obviously critiqued big mouth just for the past hour um i would say it is feminist because you know it was written by a bunch of men but they still chose to chose to add two like main women characters and like include a female hormone monster and like 
I don't know if that's asking for the bare minimum. Maybe it is, but like at this point in the patriarchy, we kind of have to ask for the bare minimum sometimes. Like I feel like if this TV show was created 10 years ago, they wouldn't have even thought to like include women in like their perspective. So like, I mean, yeah, it's not perfect. Yeah, they have a lot to work on, but I think like you two have just said, it does a lot of good and like for what it's done the past few years and hopefully will continue to do, I think it does like represent, I guess, just like a good perspective all around from men and women. So as always, we have some action items for y'all to, oh my gosh, for y'all to wrap up the episode. Um, And Hayden, if you want to share yours first, that would be awesome. I know I kind of, I kind of uh, touched on this a little bit when I was giving your intro, but I'd love for you to expand more. Yeah, absolutely. So to continue these conversations about topics of intersectional feminism, you should follow the WIC on Instagram at Baronwick underscore Women's Center or come to our events because a lot of them are on Zoomy Zoom now. So you should fab and I want to plug um I love well I love the WIC so so much and I also want to plug um another organization at Swanee that's near and dear to my heart that is connected um to the WIC as well which is the student title nine committee also known as sticks um and I know I've plugged them before in the podcast but for those of you don't know it's a group of it's a committee of student leaders uh dedicated to peer education about sexual misconduct and discrimination um, and sex ed, which of course, like all those things are interconnected. So um, perhaps if you're a Swanee student, you've had a training with them already, um, or if you haven't, you should, and you should follow their Instagram because I think they have a good a good window into this community, um, which is Swanee underscore sticks. And also I will just plug um, Planned Parenthood because I think they always have amazing resources when it comes to sex ed and lots of really amazing trainings um, to whether they're, I'm sure there are plenty online now. I've done a lot of kind of in-person trainings with Planned Parenthood, but I'm sure there's plenty of stuff accessible online. If it wasn't before the pandemic, I'm sure there is now and just opportunities to learn about it. Um, I took part in a, what was called a sexpert training, which is like sex ed, but with a little play on the expert um, sexperts. Um, and that was actually like so impactful for me. And like I said, I did have like comprehensive sex ed as a adolescent, but like, I think there's always so much to learn and always ways in which we're, um, continuing to like redefine sex ed. So I think that it's never too late to learn about it and it's essential that everyone does learn. So I really encourage you to noodle around on Planned Parenthood or other kind of equivalent websites. So my, Action item has nothing to do with sex education. She's kind of random, but it's a nonprofit that I learned about during my internship at Forge, which is a co-working space in Birmingham. Um, it's a nonprofit that works in our co-working space, and I just grew to know the um, director of operations, and she's wonderful. So I wanted to plug Urban Avenues. It's a nonprofit nonprofit that um, bridging divides in Birmingham by inspiring people to be curious and create beautiful things together. So before the pandemic, they would do these things called porch talks, but they would just get people from all different walks of life um, together and just like listen to each other's shared experiences. And I think that's like a really good thing for our older, wider population of Birmingham to learn about experiences that don't relate to themselves. Um, which is always wonderful and always needed. Um, But recently with the pandemic, that's moved online, Zoomy Zoom, like Hayden just said. But also they've raised over $14,000 to get um, healthcare workers, like food and stuff. So they've, since the pandemic, they've like been, you know, trying to figure out how to still have their old, um, you know, programs while also doing things that um, help people that are in need right now during the pandemic. So go follow them on Instagram, urban underscore avenues. And if you're a Birmingham peep, you should check out um, them and see how you can get involved. Well, great. Well, so thank you so much for being on the podcast this week. And to um, 
wrap things up, I wondered if you wanted to share a quote or more than one quote with us. I know you um, sent a few, yeah. so whatever your faves are, feel free to share. Okay, so I definitely have one that I think is really funny and also like relevant and sums things up well, but I kind of wanted to like preface it and say that I was literally hesitant to choose this quote because I feel like it like like we talked about earlier I feel like female pleasure and sexuality is like something that can be like hard to discuss and like something that other people like still view as icky but um one of my fave quotes is from season one when Nick's sister Leah who's also an amazing character is talking about this sexy book that like uh, all of the women on the show are reading and he's like asking her like why everyone's reading it and she says newsflash girls are horny too and his head literally explodes um but i just feel like that sums things up well yeah i i agree we were really talking about masturbating like first thing on this podcast so i do think that was good good wrap up we love sex positivity um well thanks so much hayden thanks Thanks, queen for coming on the pod Birmingham gals baby sister (laughs) (laughs) french two girl wow this has been feminist fiends and quarantine queens thanks for listening bye bye